And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Go ahead and open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we are going to be going through the 12 verse or the 10 verses there, verses 12 through 22. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So we've been in uh, the book of Luke, uh, and David has already got his sermons already done for uh, the next few weeks uh, to finish that up. So uh, he asked me, or he told me that I could preach on anything I wanted to. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've never done a Thanksgiving message. Normally I like going verse by verse. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, so uh, uh, whenever it came time to hear us praying as the Lord, you know, what would you have me to do? And and, and really he, he pressed on me, you need to do a Thanksgiving message. And I went, oh, those are normally so cheesy. And so I figured, well, who the better to get the cheese out uh, than me? So, <laughs> but anyway, but you'll, you'll see the title there. Sandy told me that was a bad title, but uh, the title that I've got is Have a Merry Thanksgiving, uh, just because I thought that was hilarious. But really, we, we come to a time, uh, especially this week, uh, the first national proclamation of Thanksgiving was done by Abraham Lincoln uh, during the Civil War. And, and really, if you think about the time of when that w- had taken place, now there were other Thanksgivings that had transpired. Each state generally had their own date that they had for Thanksgiving. Um, but if you think about what's going on, literally brother fighting against brother, and, and it's during this time that, that a day of Thanksgiving was proclaimed, uh, really many of us would not think that this would be the right occasion uh, to hold such a a holiday. Uh, And really, whenever we think about Thanksgiving, a lot of times it fills us with dread. One, the dreaded Christmas music normally always starts right afterwards. Uh, (laughs) Where's Maureen? I think I just heard her. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's terrible. Um, We'll play Christmas music. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that, Corey. You already played the the fight song. I I don't need to hear anything else from you. Uh, But but anyway, but sometimes, like, uh, I'll be honest with you, this past week, I've been thinking about this coming Friday. Uh, We're hosting the football team uh, for for lunch uh, around 1130 is what they're supposed to, is about the approximate time they're coming down. So, by the way, if you would like to help out with... uh, uh, with us uh, serving the football team uh, dinner. I understand that that is the day after Thanksgiving, uh, but we're going to try to uh, just encourage our football team to go out and to destroy some of those uh, Jacksonville people. Uh, but uh, anyway, get with Mr. Ron. He'll be more than happy to put you to work. Uh, but honestly, a lot, of, a lot of times we're filled with dread thinking about seeing family that we haven't seen. Uh, I know with, with our family, uh, we, we're really dreading that this is our first Thanksgiving without my father-in-law uh, and, and everything that goes along with that. A lot of times this is a, a period of time which, which fills us with dread. How can we be thankful whenever it doesn't seem that there is any reason to be thankful? Uh, I think many of us would be able to to relate to this. And, and when we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing this letter to the church of Thessalonica. Uh, you can read about uh, how Paul started this church in Acts chapter 17. 
You see, Paul goes to Thessalonica and begins to preach the gospel. And what's amazing is that immediately he started having a a really good ministry. Many Jews and Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ, and there they were able to start a church. However, it wasn't that long after that they got in trouble with the Romans because they were preaching that Jesus is Lord. And you have to remember that according to Roman law, Caesar is is Lord. And so the Romans then began a big persecution of the church of Thessalonica. Uh, So big, in fact, that Paul and Silas had to leave. They actually fled Thessalonica for their lives. And so uh, they fled and moved on. And Paul would eventually send back Timothy to the church to kind of figure out what's going on, how's the church look. And when Timothy comes back, he actually reports really good news. You see, even during the mid of persecution, even during the midst of trial and the midst of, of death and destruction, the church was flourishing. The church was flourishing. They were sharing the gospel. People were coming to faith in Christ. This is at a time when they were being persecuted for their very faith, and yet we see this is the time when the church at Thessalonica was at its strongest. And so Paul then writes this letter to the church to tell the church a few things. One, we saw that throughout this church, uh, that, uh, that one thing they really struggled with was what happens to those who die in the midst of persecution. And so we have a little bit here in 1 Thessalonians and also in 2 Thessalonians as well. Uh, but also here, Paul uh, ends this book by just telling them to be thankful for what God has done for them and to be thankful for a few things. And so we as First Baptist Church Crawfordville, we as having still seems to be going through the middle of the pandemic, uh, uh, families uh, torn apart during this time, uh, death and destruction seems to be around us. What do we have to be thankful for. And there are two big points that I, I want to mention. And, and, and since Dave's not here, uh, the second point's going to have a few extra points. So uh, I, I just had to, I had to throw that one in there for him. Uh, but, but really, there are two main points. One is we're to be thankful for those who serve us. We're to be thankful for those who serve us. Uh, look at verse number 12. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So the first thing that Paul says is to uh, be thankful for those who labor among us. Now, as we mentioned, Dave's not here. And so I can go ahead and, and, and say this since he's not here. He won't get big headed. We need to be praying for our pastor. Our pastor has had a rough year and a half. And really, all pastors, it seems, have had a rough year and a half. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I was at the Florida Baptist Convention. And right before the convention, they always have a pastor's conference, because that's pretty much all who comes to the convention are pastors. And so uh, one of the speakers got up. Uh, his name was Nathan Leno. He's from uh, Houston. I can get you the sermon if you want. It's fantastic. Uh, but he gets up and he says, 
Uh, I've been pastoring a 400-strong church. My father-in-law has passed away. We have people who have uh, sent me nasty emails, phone calls, and voicemails about uh, whether or not to get the vaccine. Uh, we've had people, uh, he's in Houston, so they've had the, all the riots last year, last summer, about should we come out and say something, should we not come out and say something. Then you had the presidential election happen. You had people say you need to preach from the pulpit this. You had people say you don't need to say this from the pulpit. And he said, I just kept, I just felt like I was getting pulled in every single direction to the point that by November of last year, he said, I was pretty much done. He said, I was, uh, I was, a, I was a hollowed shell of who I was. And he said, the only thing that brought me out was I knew that I needed prayer. He said, I needed prayer. So as, as a church, they began to pray for their church, their church members, and also the people of their community. He said, because I knew that there was nothing that I could give that would help fix the situation. We need to be in prayer for Dave. We need to be in prayer for Debbie, and we need to be in prayer for his kids. We need to pray that the Lord would have him, would keep him, that the Lord would give him strength to endure, because let's face it, we are a strange group of people. <laughs> I'm assuming all of you are saying, yeah, we are, instead of laughing. I was expecting laughing, but, but let's face it. We are a strange group of people. There is a very fine line between encouraging us to go forth and discouraging us from doing anything. Because let's face it, we have people in here who are anti-vax. We have people here who are pro-vax. We have people in this room that sit there and say we need to make sure we have more politics in the pulpit. We have people who say that politics should stay out of the pulpit. And all of this gets placed on one man's shoulders who has to sit there and discern what to do, what is truly wise. And I know what you're thinking. I know what's truly wise. That's why I'm telling you, Dave. <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's face it. A lot of times we are blinded by our own sin. We are blinded by our own sin. We are blinded by the thoughts uh, that we have. Uh, I always say that idolatry is the ultimate sin, and it seems that our biggest sin, our biggest idol in our lives is I. It's me. It's I idolatry. We think we have it all, and really what we need is for Dave to be able to go into God's Word, to be renewed with it daily, and to be refreshed and be, bring us uh, the convicting Word of God. And so let's be in prayer for our pastor and his wife, but, but not just our pastor. It says, be thankful for those who labor among you. You see, it's not just pastors who labor among us. It is Sunday school teachers. It is men's ministry workers who are coming here on Friday to come help serve the football team the day after Thanksgiving. Yes, that's right. Be, be very thankful for them. And if you'd like to be, uh, be one who's being thanked for that, please make sure to see Ron Idle here after the service <laughs> so we can, we can get you some of that. Uh, but no, but we need to be thankful for those who help take care of the church. I don't know if you've seen a lot of what's going, uh, transpiring around here as far as getting stuff clean, keeping stuff up kept. But Miss Lisa has worked her tail off to make sure that this place is spick and span so that way when we come in here, we can put our focus on the Lord and not our focus on any, uh, on any of the other distractions that might come about. We need to be thankful for Josh. Uh, Josh, who comes around and makes sure that the trash can's taken up, I promise you, I'm very thankful to have someone who comes behind me and pick up my trash, mainly because I don't get that at home. Uh, so... <laughs> 
But we need to be thankful for those who labor among us. And so the next question that pops up after this is, okay, we need to be thankful for those who labor among us, but I don't labor. So what does that mean for me? What it means for you is that you need to get to work. You need to get to work. You see, work was not a result of the fall. You see, when God created the Garden of Eden and placed Adam in it, it is there that he told him that you are to work until the ground. It is only later that sin comes up and messes everything up. You see, we are called to work. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said, All authority has been given unto me into heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This was not something given, this was not a command given to just a, a, a very small group of people. Instead, we see this is what the call for a disciple of Christ is it is to go to work. Guys, we must work. We must work. We must labor. Now, that's not to say that, you know, you need to make sure you beat Josh to, you know, take up the trash after Sundays in the CLC. But all of us have a job and responsibility within the church. What are some of those jobs and, 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 and situations that we can be uh, here in the church? Notice this. It says, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And another term for admonish there is instruct, but a lot of times we think negatively of admonishment. And I've got to be honest with you, as much as I've made fun of Corey this morning uh, for his audacity uh, of playing such a vile song in a holy place, uh, Corey did just this for me this morning. You see, I walked in, and, 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 and I struggle with anger, as many of you might know. Uh, and, and me and my wife got into a little bit of an argument. And I left the house without that argument being resolved, and I came in here and, 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 and went up to Corey and gave him my, my points because I was late on that. Uh, and I was up there, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, I'll be honest with you, I'm ticked. I am mad. I, me and my wife got into an argument, and Corey said, you need to get that resolved before you go into the pulpit. And I said, I know, Corey, you don't have to say that to me. I've only got this passage going on right here. This, I know exactly what I need to do. But here he was, instructed me, encouraging me to make my relationship with my wife right before, well, one, before I got in the pulpit, but two, he'd be doing just the same if I was sitting in the pew uh, today as well. We need to be able to instruct one another, help one another, encourage one another. Guys, we need help. We need help. Let us work among ourselves. And notice this last part of verse 13. I love this part. It says, be at peace among yourselves. Be honest with you, I, I crack up. I cracked up whenever I was reading through this, uh, probably the first through third times, uh, because uh, it's right after, uh, you know, respect those who labor among you. And then, and then he ends the sentence and he says, be at peace among yourselves. Because let's face it, it's not easy to be at peace with each other, right? What's the old adage about Baptists? How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah, yeah, some of y'all heard that, huh? Yeah. It takes six. The reason why is you have to have five on a committee. You've got to have an odd number so that way there's, there's no even you know, deadlock. And then they vote on the person who's going to grab the ladder and then go up you know, and, and fix it. 
and we we have trouble being at peace among ourselves. Why? Because we get into little arguments that mean absolutely nothing, but yet we we bring them to a point that all of a sudden now we have divisive and or d- division and derision between each other. We need to be at peace among ourselves. And how do we do that? Just as Corey did to me this morning. Hey, I think you need to go and you need to apologize. Corey didn't say that because he wanted to see me squirm. He knew that would come later. Uh, He did that because he wanted to see my marriage grow, my marriage flourish, and he wanted to see me grow and me flourish. And really, if we think about it, all of us want to see each other grow and flourish. No one in here wants to see someone become downtrodden for someone to fall. We all want to encourage one another. We all want to see one another grow. So let us do that. Let us be at peace among ourselves. It says, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek the good to one another and to everyone. And really, as we we go through the season of Thanksgiving, let us... Let us encourage one another. Let us see that we don't repay one another with evil. Let us see that even whenever we are sinned against, that we still work for each other's good. Because let's face it, we're, we're hard people. And if we keep trying to repay evil with evil, this place is going to burn down to the ground by the time we get done with it. So, we should be thankful for those who serve us. But number two... We also need to give thanks in all circumstances. And I know what you're saying. Uh, why is this a point that's kind of like, you know, be thankful in all circumstances? This is, this is kind of a lot of situations. But there are a few things that Paul specifically uh, calls out here within these verses. Uh, the first one he says is that we need to uh, pray without ceasing, rejoice always, right? To, to pray without ceasing. And you might say, well, how, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? It means that you, you pray and then you don't stop. And so you just keep doing that. And you might say, well, what does that mean? It means that in every situation that we go to, that we, we are a people who have saturated uh, what's going on in prayer. You see, we should not only pray whenever it comes to meal times when we have someone other than our, our immediate family members in front of us. Uh, it shouldn't be uh, just a, a thing that we do on Sundays or perhaps driving down 319 at 7 o'clock in the morning. We should be continually in prayer and continually praying that the Lord would have us and keep us and show us what it is that he wants us to do. We should pray without ceasing. He also tells us uh, that we should uh, never quench the spirit. Now, this is quite interesting. This is verse 19. Uh, He says, do not quench the spirit. Uh, many things have been made up of what does it mean to quench the spirit? Uh, does this mean do we not steal someone, take someone's salvation away from this, as some people have come up with? But let's face it, what is the spirit's job uh, to, to do? It's one, to convict us and show us of our sins, show us where we fall short, and show us of our need of a Savior. But it is also the work of the spirit 
to tell us what to do as we go throughout the day, right? It's the Spirit who, who convicts us of our sin. It's our Spirit. It's the Spirit who, who calls us to have conversations that perhaps uh, would be uncomfortable. But it's the Spirit's job to tell us what it is our calling for that moment. Uh, and so this week I was walking through Walmart on, I think it was Thursday. No, it was Friday. Uh, and, and what I do when I have to walk through Walmart is I, I have my phone and I have those AirPods and I put them in and I put on music uh, because one, I don't like walking through Walmart. Um, but two, uh, as many of you have noticed, you can walk through Walmart and you're in there for three hours and you can only have two things in your buggy. And so I like to get out of Walmart as soon as possible. So if I don't hear anyone, uh, then I, you know, then, uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. These AirPods were in. And so I was walking through, uh, the, the back section and I saw a worker there who was an acquaintance from high school. And I sat there and I had the thought of, well, if I switch to the other side of the aisle, this guy probably won't notice me because I was trying to get some stuff to, uh, to someone in a, in a particular time period. So I could, I could just switch over and get, get through the aisle and that guy would not see me and then I can get what I need to. And I felt the Lord tell me, you need to have a conversation with this guy. And I thought, oh, that's what this sermon's on. So, okay, so I'll go ahead and go. So I walked up to the dude. I said, hey, man, how are you doing? And he recognized me. It had been about 10 years since we'd seen each other. And I said, hey, man, how, how's life treating you? He turned around to me and said, uh, I just found out that my wife's filed for divorce. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen to me this holiday season. Uh, and not only that, I work at Walmart and Black Friday's coming up. And, and I just sat there and was like, man, I am so sorry, you know, to hear about that. I asked him, I said, hey, where are you going to church at currently? Man, I'm not going to church anywhere. And said, well, let me, I'm at First Baptist. Come down to First Baptist. You can sit right next to me. You're more welcome to come join me. And I, I got to sit there and pray with him. Um, all of that, uh, happened, transpired because, uh, I sat there and, and denied myself because myself wanted to go dart down another aisle. Didn't matter if it was the baby section or shoes or anything. I wanted to get, get out of there and get out clean. Um, but honestly, the spirit convicted me. And, and because of that, I was able to, to have those types of, that type of conversation. Um, but we should never quench the spirit. We should always do what the spirit calls us to do. And listen, there are going to be times when, when that just seems to be antithetical to who we are, right? It's, you know, you look at, you see, you hear, the Spirit tells you to do something and it just doesn't make sense. Whenever I was called to ministry, uh, I was and still am uh, an introvert. I, I, I like to hang, I, yeah, I know, so, so I heard someone, uh, some, you know, I, I did not like to talk to people and the Lord called me to ministry and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to learn to talk to people. That's, that's kind of like a big part of this, right? And so I, I started to just awkwardly walk up to people and start conversations to, to break that up and change my personality because I knew the Lord had called me to something more than what I was. And so we need to make sure that we do not quench the Spirit's call in our lives, whether it be in the big things of, of sharing the gospel on a daily basis or even in the little things of having a conversation with someone that might be a little awkward. We do not quench the Spirit. Uh, the next one is that we are to test prophecies. Uh, so this is verse 20. It says, Do not despise prophecies, verse 21, but test everything and hold fast what is good. Uh, so what does that mean, prophecies? And this is actually where I, I'm going to do something different. Y'all are going to be able to talk to me. 
uh, prophecies we normally uh, hold to as something like a uh, something that's written f- uh, about the future to the people who it was written to. So some something that's going to transpire in the future. Let me ask you this: uh, How much of Scripture contains these types of future prophecies? Anybody want to take a guess? Bueller, Bueller. But Mr. Steve said, I'm running early. Mr. Steve said, I need to go late, so I can, I can wait. 85%, okay, there we go. 85 is a guess. Anyone else? Anyone else? It's okay. Don't worry, I, I promise you, you're going to be shocked. 25% is what it is. Only 25% of what's found in Scripture pertains to a future event at the time that it was written. That means that 75% of Scripture that was written was written to a people at a time because they were either A, needing encouragement to continue in doing something, or B, and, and this is actually the one that's most, uh, not doing what the Lord has called them to do and needed uh, uh, the Lord to tell them, hey, listen, remember that covenant that we established together? Yeah, you need to follow it. Uh, you see, when we talk about prophecies, prophecies, all they are is the telling of what the Lord has already spoken. So when, when we're up here, so this is a form of prophecy, me coming together and, 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 and having this message based off the Scripture and, and giving it to you. You see, what happens uh, is that a lot of times we can sit there and when this Word is being proclaimed, we cannot like it. Why? Because let's face it, we just mentioned a while ago that we should be good with everyone around us, right? To respect those who labor among us. And let's face it, we might not like to do that. And so what happens is sometimes people are mad, they're in sin, they're sitting in the pew like me this morning, you know, walking up to Corey, knowing that I had just had this argument with my wife, and I tell Corey, and Corey says, hey, listen, you need to get right with your wife. And many times people come up here and they say, I don't want to do that. I want to continue to, to languish in my sin, right? I want to be like that child that runs away whenever you're trying to change his diaper, Right? I just want to keep sitting in my filth. And the Word of God tells us to remember that covenant that He had established with us. And we begin to despise. We can despise what the Word of God says. Why? Because we want to live in our sin. We need to never despise prophecies, but that doesn't mean to fully accept everything that's spoken up here. You should always test everything that transpires up here to make sure it is what the Word of God says. Always tell students, don't take my word for it. Search Scripture. And when you read Scripture, you'll find out I'm right. <laughs> but that, that was a joke. Uh, but, but yeah, we should, we should always test Scripture. If something's set up here, you should always search Scripture because ultimately I'm not your authority. Dave is not your authority. Your authority is the Word of God. It is the Word of God that we live our lives by, not the voice of any man. And so whenever we come up to these situations where you see something that perhaps you don't like, search Scripture and you find out that's true, repent. Repent, because the word of the Lord is perfect, and we are not. We should always test everything that is spoken up here. We should never take anyone's word for it. 
We should test these prophecies and make sure that what is spoken is truly the word of the Lord. That's one reason why uh, Dave and I love to preach verse by verse. It's because one, it's really easy. You kind of have an entire outline already there. Paul's already spoken. No need to rehash it twice. You know, make up a new thing. But two, ultimately, it is the word of God that is perfect. We are imperfect people. And so if we want to hear from the Word of God, we need to preach from the Word of God. We need to make sure to test everything that is spoken. And then finally, verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, There was a show that was on a number of years ago called The Office. It had a character named Dwight Schrute, who was kind of a a legalistic guy. If you you think he's also very eccentric, but he had this uh, this one line. He said, uh, I, "I don't do things that idiots do." He said, "I'll sit there and I'll look at a thing, and if I think an idiot will do that, I will not do that thing." And so, when we look at evil, we need to sit there and say, "Is this evil?" And if it is then we do not need to do that thing. And that's normally where we mess up. Because we'll recognize something is evil, but we want to do it. Why? Because we are full of sin and we fall short of the glory of God. And then we begin to make excuses. Well, no one else is here. I can just click on this on my computer and no one else will see. Or, well, it's only fun and games because I'm just talking about this person in front of my friends. And, and that, nothing that, you know, that, that I say here will ever uh, get out of this group of friends here. Or, you know, hey, if no one's looking, I can really just take this and, and no one will ever see it and nothing will ever transpire. He doesn't say abstain from every form of evil in which you can get caught. He says abstain from every form of evil. You know how we can have a thanksgiving in which we are thankful for things? is when we're not in trouble for our stupid evil that we continue to do, our stupid sins that we continue to do on a daily basis. Let us abstain from every form of evil. Let us be known as a people who abstains from every form of evil. And so as we go into this week of Thanksgiving, of, of prepping overpriced turkeys and hams, as we get together macaroni and cheese and green beans, as we see family that we normally only see this time of year, as we, we see loved ones who are hurting, perhaps are seeing loved ones who uh, are go, going to the table and loved ones are no longer there, let us be a people who are thankful. Let us be thankful for one, for those who serve among us. Let us be thankful for those who labor among us. And then two, let us give thanks in all circumstances. Because the fact is, is that we are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And we are not deserving of any grace. And yet God, in His love and mercy, sent His Son Jesus down to this earth to live the perfect life that we should live, to die the death that we deserve, and then raising him from the dead, thus defeating death and defeating sin, so that way we can have life and have it more abundantly, but only if we surrender our lives to him. We have a reason to be thankful. Gas might be up, turkeys might be overpriced, Walmart might not have sugar, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And because of that, 
we can truly have peace because he has brought peace down to us. So we're going to have uh, a time of invitation here where we're going to stand and sing here in just a second. But really, during this, let us be thinking of where we fall short of why we cannot give thanks. Let us be a people of repentance. And two, let us think about during this holiday season, during this time of thanksgiving, how can we show thanks? How can we show the Spirit of God to our lost and dying community? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We, we praise you. We honor you. We thank you for just the grace that you have shown us, that you continue to show us. That, Father, even though we are sinful, though we, we fall short on a daily basis, you continue to show us grace. You continue to show us love, though undeserving. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us during this time, be with us during this week. Lord, show us where we fall short. Show us how we can follow you that much more closely. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.